welcome to Curious EMU, where we talk inspiring stories, ideas, and concepts to help you create a lifestyle true to yourself. Hello, and welcome to episode 30. My name is Freddie Saliva. I cannot believe I'm at episode 30, hey? Crazy times. So, in this episode, I have a friend who has gone through many changes in her life and actually quite similar to me in a lot of ways, connected so well in this episode. But we talked through a lot of her different work styles, lifestyles, and up to her most recent, which is virtual assistant, which we get through in detail towards the end of the episode. So stay tuned and I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome, guys. With me today, I have Sue Dickens, who has had a very interesting journey and travelled around various parts of the world doing exchanges just like myself in Finland to year off in Europe, time off in Africa and even done nine years worth of working in ski resorts in the Northern Hemisphere and then coming back. So, yeah. Let's let's get into it. It's a bit of a yeah. big journey that you've been through. Welcome. Thank you for joining Thank me. You. I'm so excited. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Freddie. This is fun. <laughs> it's going to be fun. So you were telling me before that one of the things you felt really started it was when you were about eight and you had a – were you given an atlas or did you just have it there? We had a big family atlas at home and then I got a small, like, kids' one for – Christmas or birthday, I oh, can't cute. remember what it yeah. was. So, you know, back in the day, massive big books, no Google Maps. I just used to sit there and pour over it. And then when I got one of my own, which is a little bit kind of easy to see, I used to start planning when I would be able to run away from home, so to speak, and travel to all these amazing places around the world. So I got the travel bug super early. And I think plus two, the fact that my parents, I was born in Australia and my parents' families are at opposite ends of the country, basically. So uh, yeah. I first started traveling when I was a baby. My parents took me home to be christened with my grandparents. And then every couple of years we would make that trip back and that sort of sparked that, oh, we're going on a plane again? How cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's go somewhere. Yeah. Never thought of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we went a lot on trips every year, not, not for family, just for holidays, but always within Australia. Again, like, yep, same. But yeah, yep. yeah. Where were you? So, because you were Tasmania to uh, to Queensland. Tasmania to Queensland, yeah. How so long would that much, take? Maybe five. Um, it'll be maybe three to four hours, depending on flight okay, time. Yeah. Depending back in the yeah. day, yeah. So it'd yeah, be an hour to yeah. Melbourne, and then from Melbourne to either uh, yeah. Sydney, Brisbane. Nowadays, you can fly directly from Tasmania to Queensland. God, doing three flights or four flights, yeah. <laughs> depending where you yeah. are. Whereabouts in Queensland? Yeah. Uh, it was um, mainly Toowoomba. So it was in that southeastern corner. So we didn't go too far out of the way. But you'd fly into Brisbane and then you'd have another hour's or so drive to get to the family. Yeah. And I guess even, especially as a young kid, that in itself, all those different planes and flights made it feel probably much further away. I mean, it's still far, oh, yeah. especially people listening from other countries probably like, wow, like that's yeah. crazy, you know, four or five hours just on its own, you know, um, <laughs> in the same country. And kudos to my parents for taking two kids, you know, that distance oh, well, in, the, in yeah. those days, you know. And one of my favourite things was one year we flew up to the southeast Queensland area, but then we made our way back down to Melbourne in various ways of transport. So we did buses and trains. Oh, and, amazing. Yeah, so I think we did a 
train trip from, no, bus trip from Brisbane to Sydney and then from Sydney to Canberra we took the train and then from there we did another something or other to Melbourne. It was just an adventure. It was awesome fun. Do you think also Tasmania might have had a bit of an impact? I know, you know, Tasmania is such a beautiful area, just being out in nature and everything. I mean, depending exactly where you are, but there's a bit more nature compared to a lot of other kind of city areas of Australia, at least. Absolutely. Did that have any impact on the sort of travel you've done, do you think? Probably. I think the biggest impact for me, and this is going to sound awful, um, is that it was really small and I just wanted to like, go out and see the bigger world. Yep. But, you know, um, my parents were fabulous with that. Every weekend we would travel off to some national park or beach area and go for a walk as a family and um, okay. spend a lot of time outside. And the town I grew up in was very rural and beautiful, a great place to grow up. You know, we would walk down to the river and go swimming. We had a rope attached to a tree that we'd swing off and jump in and all the neighbourhood kids would be there. We would walk for hours to get to the beach over with, well, it seemed like hours. It wasn't really that, that far, but when you were young. Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely, yeah, Tassie is definitely a beautiful, amazing outdoor place. And yeah, we spent a lot of time like in Cradle Mountain, for example, we'd go down beautiful. the East Coast and, and people we would know down there. And yeah, beaches on the East Coast. It, it, yeah, and it's certainly... Yeah. Um, certainly does have an impact and you don't and when you leave you realize how fabulous it was when you were there and when you're a kid teenager I'm just like oh, I just need to get out of this town so to speak yeah but you so so appreciate it were you in Hobart no I was on a on a little town called Wynyard on the northwest coast there's a population of about yeah. four and a half thousand people wow yep yep yeah. <laughs> I mean even Hobart's bigger but it's still like or well, Launceston yeah Hobart is about a hundred and 20,000 I think yeah. and Launceston it was about 80 to 100,000 when I and I think those numbers I'm I'm just pulling them yeah, out yeah, of when yeah. I was last year so don't quote me on the um, yeah. on those population <laughs> and numbers. also when when you were there it would have been a bit less as well you know yeah yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean there's less than when I was growing up there was less than 500,000 people in the whole state so it was oh, wow. kind of um yeah it's small and you know, in that respect, it's you've got the benefit of both. It's like everybody kind of knows somebody in the next town or, or wherever. So you never felt like you were too far away from anybody who you could get help from or need help from and stuff. And they're just it's really friendly. So it's great. Yeah, absolutely. So you said you did an exchange in Finland when, we, when you were 17. Was that the first time you got out of the country? That was the first time I got out of the country. Sounds so much like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know I think you know just me I had my parents were really really supportive it was awesome the year before that I made my first solo trip back to visit family in, oh well yeah in Queensland so they popped me they were coming up but they, I'd finished school they popped me on the plane just finished school for the year not finished school completely but popped me on the plane and then my uncle met me at the other end so that was really cool. And then the exchange program I'd heard about from other people that had done things like that before. And I just took myself off to a local Rotary Club and said, hey, you guys sending any people away on exchange programs? Because I would really like to go. And in the end, I was really, really fortunate to be able to be selected by one of the clubs in the town where my high school was. But then I was also contacted by the club where I grew up as well who said well if you didn't get that one we were going to send you anyway so I was super oh my blessed gosh. it was just well, yeah. yeah yeah it was meant to be and Finland was freaking awesome it was so different did you choose Finland no they chose it for me wow that's kind yeah, of exciting so, 
Um, yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Just to be like, there's so much out there. Here, you, you, you choose, you know what, like. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There was, you know, the Rotary Clubs that we had, or the Rotary Country, sorry, that we had to choose from, I think it was US, Canada, Japan, Europe, was Sweden, Scandinavia, Norway, Denmark. Okay. Brazil. They were kind of there, but I was like, I just, I'm more than happy to go anywhere. I'd studied German at school and I was really keen to go to Germany, but that wasn't an option where I was, but that was fine. And my dad, bless him, he said, oh, maybe you should choose somewhere where you speak the language already so you get a better connection with the people. And I was like, nah. (laughs) That's half the point, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For me, definitely the point. My parents never travelled until, or never travelled overseas until they came and met my husband and I um, years and years later. So, um, yeah, that was, yeah, completely different. They'd done a lot of travelling in Australia, back to family and stuff, but had never been overseas. So, yeah. Yeah. So that was me heading off there to Finland. Amazing Rotary Club. Me being the young, I have teenager, I think I missed the section where I was supposed to contact the people with the date that I was arriving and I arrived in Helsinki and nobody was there to meet me at the airport. And so here I am being this naive Tasmanian girl from a town of four and a half thousand people arriving in a capital city on the opposite side of the world, not knowing the language, had spoken to a couple of people on the plane. Was it summer or winter as well? It was January. <laughs> So like pitch black most of the time, you know, probably oh, get yeah, out there. Totally. Like, <laughs> and yeah, minus something degrees that yeah, I've exactly. never been in. I I, yeah. I mean I didn't even have a I had a I didn't have the right shoes. I didn't have a, a jacket that was warm enough. I like just totally not. I mean, granted you can't buy that in Australia very easily. <laughs> well, you don't even think about yeah. I had a I had a warm jacket, the Tasmanian winter. I mean, you know, it's people think Tasmania is cold. <laughs> it's not gold. Um, <laughs> but these people took pity on this girl and they said, oh, we'll look after you. And I was like, okay. So I follow off this couple that I'd met on the plane and they did and they contacted the people that were supposed to meet me and they were on the other side of the country but they had a brother in Helsinki. So it all worked out. It all worked out perfectly. I had the best year of my life. It was awesome. <laughs> how, how did you feel before you left though? Were you obviously not too oh, worried? Oh, so excited. <laughs> this is excited and... Oh, I was sure that they would know. I don't know why. I just thought, you know, maybe some of the Rotary Clubs had connected and told yeah. them that I was coming and, you know, yeah, so. Anyway, yeah, like, that's what yeah. happened, you know? Yeah, because, for example, like I, I had an exchange, but obviously the systems are probably a bit more set up these days. All I, like I contacted them and, I, you know, but it was just, it wasn't really saying I'm arriving here, it was just, you know, get to know each other yeah, yeah. a little bit, mm-hmm. introduce yourself, but, yeah, the... I didn't organise any of the flights or anything. I had to just pay the the people I was yeah. doing it with. But, yeah, yeah so yeah. a little different. Oh, and, I think, yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't but, have to. Yeah, they paid and organised all the flights. So that's ah, so, so I guess similar sort yeah. of, yeah, sounds yeah, yeah. quite similar. Yeah. So. I think the, the thing is that I think what happened is the Tasmanian crew went before the big main Australian crew because the, mm-hmm. all the other guys, when I arrived, they all seemed to know each other. They'd all flown out from the same place on the same flight on the same day. Oh. <laughs> but the, I know. Tassie's got to do it itself, does its own little thing. So I think that was the thing. There was five of us from Tassie who were going to Scandinavia. So we all went together or landed. Try and not crack any jokes. <laughs> you can. Got my scar. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
For those of you who don't know, Freddie's inferring that Tasmanians have two heads. Well, so. that's not, no, I was just saying that Tasmania's not really part of Australia, you know, that. Oh, the, absolutely. But that's well, it. We've got all of, these lovely jokes about, yeah, Tasmania. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, lo- oh, I, I totally, love Tasmania, but, yeah, it's just, yeah, hilarious. It's you beautiful. Know, it's, it's it I mean, it's kind things. of like, you know, you ask someone where they're from and people from the mainland will say we're from Australia and people from Tasmania will say we're Tasmanian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like when you it's go to the US and you or you meet people and they go, "Where are you from?" I'm from the United States, but if you meet someone from Texas, they'll always tell you they're from Texas. Wow, <laughs> I've never noticed yeah. that though. But anyway, haven't you not? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I now have to keep an eye out, ear eye out, ear out. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just my experience anyway. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it could be just different. Yeah, but you arrived and then you when you were saying the other side of the country for people who don't know, like Finland's reasonably long it's not not that is is it wide it's It's not not that wide no it's it's the fifth it's the fifth largest country in europe finland um so yeah it's Hmm. land wise but there's only about five million people so it's it's kind of like australia Uh, of europe in a way because it doesn't have that huge dense population yeah um and i was in helsinki which is arriving in Helsinki, which yep. is obviously the capital city in that southern corner. I was going to a town called Kristin and Kaupunki in Finnish or Kristinestad in Swedish. And it's about halfway up the coast on the western side of the country. So mm. it's not like a you know I kinda I couldn't tell you how long it'd take to get there, but it, you know, it's not like a trip around the corner, so to speak. So it was another flight. Because yeah, I was living in Sweden. At one point I went from Stockholm up to like the far, far part of Sweden on buses and stuff, and that took over twenty four hours. I mean, to an Australian, it's like, oh yeah, that's it's far, that's but okay. not too far. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> but still, yeah, yeah exactly. And, and the same yeah. with Chile as well. But yeah, it's probably yeah, similar Chile's sort of. Long. Yeah, Chile's really long. I yeah, I've gone from Santiago to where I am now. It's about two thousand kilometers. Oh so, wow! Yeah, and I've done like two trips, or actually a few in there, but. For, to get to my first location, I was like an eight hour, and then I think it was another ten or twelve, and then I did pretty much the same. Oh no, actually, I did an extra one because I did a boat, and then I took. It was, yeah, wow, that's fun. I'm, t- I'm taking crazy. the plane back though. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it would take me like far too long to get back, and more expensive, you know. But yeah. Yeah. but it's fun to do that slow travel one way, hey, and then if you need to get back for some for somewhere, exactly. you can, can yeah. take it. Yeah, get back for and sure. all the other way around, depending on what, what works for your um, timetable at the time, hey? so Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so pretty cool. did you speak any, just English? We'll start, <laughs> ask it that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I spoke English quite well. Mm-hmm. Well, depends on oh, who yeah, you're speaking you to, to as an Australian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Finland's a bilingual country, so it's Swedish and Finnish. So Finnish is the main language and then, yeah, so, oh, you probably know that. So Swedish. No, yeah, so the audience. Yeah, <laughs> my Rotary Club, I was a first exchange student for that club and so they decided that Swedish would be an easier language for someone from an English okay, so background. Okay, so learn. you knew also before you got there, which is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was kind of cool. Oh, I didn't actually know before I got there, I don't think, because I started oh. teaching myself Finnish. That's what I, I was going to ask. I was going to think, like, yeah. if you're like, oh, finish, finish, and then, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then I arrived and I, oh, I'm speaking Swedish. Oh, that's okay. I'd done German at high school, so it was quite similar. To Swedish. Yeah, and the, to Swedish, yes, yeah. Finnish is 
completely different language. Yeah, Finnish is like yeah. Because do they make that up themselves? That's what I was, someone was saying. Like I don't know how true that was. If it's they may well have done. They're more like almost like made up from scratch. There's not really any other origins for Finnish. No, to be fair, I think um, I sure read somewhere along the lines that it's related to Hungarian. Hmm. But I don't know if that's true or whether that was just a, a Wikipedia fact that's not a fact. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's certainly a very different language to anything, lots of Ks and Is and Ps, but it's really cool and really difficult to learn because they, the words become longer and longer as they add the descriptors. Yeah. But is that not similar to Swedish in a sense? Because Swedish has the, well, they, oh, it's not those descriptors, it's... I, I get what, confused with the actual terminology is the thing. Yeah, so. <laughs> same. Like I should have, I should know the proper grammatical yeah, yeah. terms, but I don't. I but, forget. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of the word starts here, and then they put things at the front and put things at the end. And oh, okay, because the Swedish more they yeah. just do it at the end to put like the the and plurals, yeah, and yeah, it gets yeah, a bit. Yeah. It, it gets weirdly long for a, an English speaker. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. probably yeah. I think Finnish takes it to the next level, but yeah, possibly yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and then. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the Swedish stuff, I guess, with regards to that, yeah, you're right. They add the in and the it and the and stuff like that. But yeah, no, the Finnish I thought was a little bit. But then I didn't I didn't actually actually have to study it that in depth because I was learning Swedish. So once I tried to do a little bit of it myself before I left, and then it's kind of like, oh well, I'm learning another language altogether. Yeah. And, you know, I sort of wasn't in that mindset that oh I could learn both at the same time so I just focused on the one yeah. that I was at, so, did you, so and you didn't need Finnish at all when you were no, there yeah no the town I stayed in everybody spoke both languages in fact they most of them spoke three languages they spoke English as well yeah yeah um, <laughs> as they do over there just <laughs> pretty amazing yeah. and and when I went to other parts of the country I was always with host families or friends and stuff like that. So they would do a lot of the speaking. If we needed to speak Finnish, they would speak Finnish. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it got towards the end of the year where I could, pros- you know, was could understand what was being said in Finnish, mm-hmm. but there was no way I could actually create my own sentences or yeah. answer or, you know, just a, a yes and a no and a thank you and a that kind of stuff, you know. But um, my Swedish was pretty good. By the time I left, I was pretty much speaking it all the time without thinking which was great. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And as you know, you get to that stage where you dream in it and it's kind of reach out a little bit and it's like, well. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your favourite part about the exchange, do you think? My favourite part was the people, obviously. The country's amazing and it's beautiful, but I just met the most amazing people that just, you know, they take you into their families for that period of time and they were just wonderful. Like I never felt like... I was alone or I always felt like I had someone there I could rely on who was going to look after me and and that was the case and yeah you know they were just the most magical people and my I remember my host mum saying to me she goes oh us Finnish people we're very standoffish we don't let people in quickly she said I think it's something to do with the weather that we're in the dark for six months of the year and she said but once you get to know us you'll have a friend for life and that's so true the Finnish people are amazing Facebook has been a fabulous thing I reconnected with all the people that um a lot of the people that I went to school with over there and it's just like I was there yesterday and they're just great and I think when you travel it is about the people the 
the scenery yeah. is amazing and beautiful and you can look at it but for me you, you meet the locals and you hang out right. with the locals yeah. and yeah and that's what makes travel for me is yeah meeting people yeah that's sure. a yeah i guess that's like the reason i'm in chile is for the people rather you know men amazing people yeah. in sweden from chile and i wanted to know those people more you know what i mean yeah um and that yeah, culture absolutely. and yeah i don't know i think exchanges though they've got that something especially when you do it at that yeah 16 17 just before mm-hmm. you're getting out into the world on your, your own and being taken into someone's home as you said and especially when you don't speak the language and there's this whole different culture. Like I did six months, yep. you did a year, was that correct? Yeah, yep, 12, 12 months. 12, yep. 12 months, yeah. So 12 like, months to the day, pretty much. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I, I mean, you can do obviously like the month, but I feel like you need like at least that six months to the year yep. to really get this, it's a lifelong bond, as you said. Like, yes. mm. I don't know, it's just something that, yeah, definitely opened up my way of travel and life and clearly has yours as well yes I think that whole thing about like you said opens up the way you travel I can remember coming back from my exchange and thinking well what would be the point of leaving if you're not going to be away for at least a year you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and that was kind of my whole thing then and it was like or at least for that period of time because as you know with the language thing it's a good for me at least it was a good two to three months before I could actually feel completely fluent and comfortable with that. And I was really blessed too. You know, the first family that I stayed with, my host father, every morning he, when I woke up, he would speak to me in Swedish first before in, any other. And then I'd just look at him with this blank look on my face. Ah. And then he'd repeat it in Swedish. He was an awesome teacher, fabulous. He was a um, He was a lawyer, I think, was his background. But he was a great teacher and he would just repeat it. And then after three or four times he would, say in English and I go oh okay but that was great you know people didn't speak English to me right from the get-go yeah yeah as you understand it makes it so much harder if people want to practice their English on you yeah 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 I had yeah my family my host sister spoke English and she was helping a bit but my their host parents are like you know bare minimal like hello I'm good. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, so yeah, it's just yeah, like, yeah. just keep going. <laughs> this has got to work. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Got to get there. But <laughs> yeah. So mm. you. And, so go on. Oh, I was going to say, and how brave of them to bring in a person who they may or may not be able to communicate with exactly. um, into their yeah. family. Just so interesting. And it was fascinating, though, now that I think about it. And I'm kind of, you know, going back to that place yeah, now yeah, that yeah. I felt like I haven't gone this much in depth thinking about for a while <laughs> but um the like six months to the year it's quite interesting I remember it was like at that six months like five six months I started that's mm-hmm. took me a while to get friends at school I mean okay. we, had, was, we had a lot of exchange students other exchange yep. students there so we yep. kind of connected a bit there but then some French students probably like the four or five months we really mm-hmm. connected yep. and then I was like and now I'm leaving uh, Maybe it was because of the yeah. language thing as well. Yep. Like it just started to get there, as you were saying. It took takes like three to four months. So then I started, yeah. And I was like, now I think about it, probably the year would have been better. But, you know, it's so hard to tell in oh. retrospect, isn't it? Like, oh, absolutely. And just be thankful for what you had, like, you know, so grateful oh, yeah. and privileged for what you had that particular yeah. time, you know. I mean, I that's... still, yeah, have friends that I went back and connected with, but... Not a massive mm-hmm. amount, but the host family were still like 
because I was obviously there every day and yeah, my French family, I call them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. And I think that I was really lucky. I was the first exchange student in that town and I was the only exchange student in my school. Yeah. And it was a small school and they were really tight knit and close community, but they wow. welcomed me and it was just, yeah, I was really lucky. They were awesome. And then I had I had different host families, most of whom went to the same school, so they were there. Oh, um, so you changed families. How mm-hmm. often did you change them? Rotary likes to share you around and usually you spend three to four months with each family. Wow. And, yeah, so that was kind of cool as well. Some people don't, some people, some do. I had friends who were based in Sweden and they had the one host family for the whole time. Yeah. Because I was the first one. I had five host families in that wow. year. So yeah. I was like, whoa, just a And they asked at the end, they were really cool, you know, what one? What would you do differently? And I said, oh, I'd probably just have like three host families instead of five. Just a little bit less kind of, you know, packing up and moving, packing up and moving. But I can totally understand that too. They've never done it before, so you don't know how that will work for you, for your family as well too. So if you can commit to just a short period of time, then it's easier. And um, the two host families in the middle were the summer host families and that was kind of cool. So one of them, their daughter was going off to Australia as an exchange student. (laughs) Australians will understand this. She's like, yeah, I'm going to Australia. We can catch up because it was like the overlap of the year so she was leaving in the summer their summer in june and was leaving i was like oh awesome that'll be fabulous where are you going and she said darwin and i'm like oh i've never been to darwin <laughs> and she, she had really? seen way further than like tasmania yeah. to queensland uh. <laughs> oh my god and they're like what do you mean i said well me and my love of maps and atlases i said let's have a look we're here in finland in christianstadt and you're in Darwin, okay? So Tasmania would be somewhere in the middle of the Sahara Desert <laughs> in the wow, distance. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And they were like, I think I, I think that's the case. I'm sorry if I'm destroying the geography, but it was a long way. It yeah. was a long way away. And then they kind of went, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been there? No. Yeah. So I love, that especially was- for Europeans, there's a map of, you know, they've got Australia and they put like, three quarters of Europe in it. Have you seen that one? That is just absolutely incredible. Yeah, I think incredible. I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's amazing, people just go, what? It? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. totally. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was kind of a, an eye-opener for those guys. So that was kind of fun. And then, yeah, and then the last host family I stayed with, um, two of the girls were closer in age to me than the other families, and we just had the best time. And yeah. Yeah, oh, all of my host families were amazing. They were fabulous. Kept in contact with any of those or has it been more yep. of a... Oh, yeah? Yeah, I've kept in contact. Well, not superly close. I'm really, really good at not communicating with people once I'm not in the oh, country. Yeah, but yeah. Facebook yeah, is yeah. fabulous. Especially, yeah. Um, I did, yeah, yeah. I did go back. Uh, as you were saying, I then spent a year in Europe and Africa. I went back to Finland nine years after I'd left and... Yeah, went back there for Christmas and then my host sister was getting married. So I went back again and oh went to her gosh. wedding, which was oh, really fabulous. How so, amazing. Yeah, it was good. And, of course, people at her wedding were people from school and so it was a really cool reunion. Oh, especially being a small town as well. Like it's, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. yeah how it was incredible. Fabulous. I've yeah. Just, yeah, I've just been so blessed with the people, you know, that I've met along the way in my travels. It's just, you know how it is. Yeah. yeah you find people you connect with and, you know, it's, it's yeah. awesome. 
So Finland was fabulous. Oh yeah, I've only been to Helsinki. I want to definitely go back and see a bit more of it for sure. So, Mm -hmm. and that wasn't probably my best day either, or Finland's. (laughs) But you know, (laughs) good old boat trip. It's always next time. (laughs) (laughs) So you ended up. Yeah, you got back home after the exchange. Went to university to do like podiatry. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. You obviously still had the plan to get back and travel, knowing how much you already loved it and being in Finland for a yeah. year. We all know how yeah. it is. Yes, totally. How long did it take you till you got out of the country again? So I went, got home, went to university and I had a plan. I was going to work for three years, save up as much money as I could and then I was heading back to Europe. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. So seven years. So I'll bet you did better than me. But <laughs> seven or nine, maybe it was not. I think it was uh, nine years because that, yeah. So seven, somewhere yeah, around in somewhere, that, that yeah, area. Okay, similar yeah. sort of time though. <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying to add it all up now because this was not anyway. Yeah, it was awesome. So trying to remember how long I was at university for. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, probably yeah, probably eight years was that realm. So yeah. I obviously. I went from Tasmania to South Australia and I studied in Adelaide. So that was another oh, yeah. adventure in itself because yeah, I left my true, home for sure. to, to go to university. So so that was fun. And then, like I said, I worked to save and that's pretty much what I did was save, save, oh, good, save. Yeah. And, then, yeah, and then I went away again. So back to Europe, landed up in the UK. Did you just do more of a gap year sort of in Europe? Or? I guess you could say, yeah, it was 12 months and... The interesting thing, a lot of Australians, New Zealanders go over and they go to London and they get a job and then they um, kind of stay there and then do little trips away. And it's a lot easier now too with those um, cheap flights and stuff like that to get away. But I was like, no, I'm I'm just going to travel. So that's why I saved so much. And I actually didn't have a job the whole time that I was away for 12 months. So, um, which probably in hindsight, if I had, I would have maybe figured out this location independence lifestyle a little bit quicker. But I was yeah. like, right, I've saved all this money and I'm just going to travel. And I was, again, it was great because I had, I spent a lot of time back in Finland, which helped with accommodation costs and stuff like that and travelling around Europe. Had a couple of friends who were exchange students at the school when I'd gone home in Denmark. So that was really oh, cool. cool as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was about that time frame and, yeah, it was great just getting on a train and going, wonder where this train goes. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I love about Europe. It's just so open-ended. You can just go anywhere so easily, cheaply, and you know. You know, the Europe thing now with the Euro is quite a different experience. You know, back in the day when I was doing this trip, every country had their own currency. Yeah. So that was getting off at the train station, trying to find the money changes and then get be able to buy something to eat because you've forgotten to get something to play. Yeah, so that was interesting. You haven't needed for like eight hours or something, you know. <laughs> like, oh. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably not, yeah. No, not that uh, long, but you know not the, not, 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 No, I was going to say probably not the best idea, obviously, is like now I would recommend just make sure you've got a snack in your backpack, you know, before you head out. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Did you end up going back to work in podiatry from there or? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So I worked in podiatry in Adelaide South, um, and Murray Bridge in South Australia and I took my year off and then I had absolutely no money left when I got back. I used up every single cent of my saving and then I thought, oh, okay. I hadn't seen my family for ages and so I decided I'd move back to Tasmania. My mum worked in the health system. She said, there's a job coming up and you're at home. Would you want to come home? So I applied for it 
and I got the job. So then I went back to podiatry and I was home for like 12 months before I went overseas again. <laughs> so I then uh, had a friend of mine who was in, she'd arrived in London a month or so before I left to go down to Africa for this part of my trip. And so I caught up with her and she was still there when I got home and she was still there um, about 12 months later. So I went back to London to visit her and then I went back to Africa for a few weeks and came home. So, yeah, so I went home and worked in podiatry again. When you came back, and did you know it was going to be temporary that you're going to be there or...? I see my life as being no permanency at all. The only constant has been change and I kind of like it like that. So, Do you think you always thought of it that way though or is this more in retrospect? It might be on reflection, yeah, true. I always knew that I wanted to travel and I can always remember the conversation I had with my mum when I left to go overseas and she said, oh, you know, 12 months is a long time, you'll get bored and you won't and you'll be looking forward to going back to work. And I was like, okay. And 12 months later, I was still waiting to be bored because there was no way. It was just the most amazing experience. And, you know, back home at work, figuring out how I could go on my next trip. And then even when I got back from that trip, it was like, okay, so now where do I want to go? What do I want to do next? And and that's when I started planning my big trip to South America, which still hasn't happened because I met my husband. (laughs) So... (laughs) I ended up back in Europe. If at least got trip planned, you can just take it when you're ready. <laughs> it's very well planned. And now I know lots of people from South America as well too, so I'll be able to catch up with them. But it's been a long time in the planning, Freddie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think looking back in retrospect, that was always the case. I got home from my travel as an exchange student and I was like, oh, and I'd had my Atlas, you know, infusion from eight. It's like, well, I haven't been here and I haven't been here and I haven't been there and where do I want to go next? So... I think it was ingrained. Do you still have that atlas? No. Oh, that's a pity. No. I'm just picture yeah, you I having know. it. It would be awesome, oh, wouldn't it? Yeah. You got it up here in your head. I have, yeah. yeah. I can still see it. It's got all the planets in the front. It was black. The cover was black and had a blue picture of the Earth on the front and then the other solar system planets behind. And then inside it was the solar systems and then it started with the different countries and stuff like that. So it's very much still in my head. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. It's quite fascinating that you had this, you know, looking at it with such amaze and the next kid next to you could just be like, okay, whatever, you know, I'm yeah. I'm happy with my toys or whatever, you know, whatever it is or the ball and you're like hours on end. It's just, I feel like there's always something in people that's, I don't know, you can, oh. you can say it's nurtured or whatever, but there's some, I don't know. Well, you said that the kid next to you, my brother, absolutely no interest whatsoever. In fact, he said to my mum, he'll probably kill me for saying this, he said to my mum, because people in my hometown knew that I was away and they, when they saw him with my parents, they go, oh, so when are you going off on your trip? And he said to my mum one day, he goes, I don't have to do that, do I? So he was definitely, and mum was like, no, 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 this is your, your sister's thing. She's, we know, always known she wanted to do this. So you don't, you're your own person. You don't have to do that. So it was quite cute to think that he was concerned that he would have to do it but he didn't so yeah that's so interesting now mm. I was just com- thinking about like my sister versus myself and yeah I did the same she never did an exchange and I'm wondering you know when you're trying to pinpoint things now that I think about it, it's quite funny that um like a year before I was born my family actually went around Europe uh, with, with oh. you know before I was you know, when my sister yep. was three and have all these yeah, incredible yeah, yeah. stories. And now I think about it, 
that's probably part of it, you know. Yeah. I'm sitting there going, you didn't you wait for me. Yeah, and I'm sitting there going, ah, oh. and so I was just like, I just want to get over there and experience all this. Yeah. The funny thing is my sister apparently, when I got to three, she went to my parents and said, so are we going again now? It's He's three, you know. Oh. It was we did it when I was three. <laughs> Oh, like that's down. so awesome. But no. Yeah. But, <laughs> but no. But the answer was no. no oh, no. Freddie, you had to do it yeah, yourself. I had to do it all on my own. So, oh. Oh, so well. they didn't go at all again where you guys were? I, no, I've un, I met them when I was in France on my exchange. Yeah. But we never, like, did travel overseas together. We will eventually, I'm sure. As you were saying before, you you kind of wished you were going into that ally life like if you knew about it obviously the world has changed a lot back then it's i don't know how one would have been able to achieve there's definitely like ally style but it's not based around the technology that we have now yeah it was always in my head when i got home it's always my thought processes were how can i keep traveling and get paid for it how could i do it and that was kind of like you know i could be a pilot oh i had these yeah yeah a stewardess on a plane you know um Maybe I could be um, a friend of mine was a travel agent, you know, maybe I could do that. But, you know, then I was like, no, no, it would be too restrictive. You know, I knew what I wanted to do with the travel was just be able to pack up and go where I wanted to go. But figuring out how someone would pay me for that. Um, and then I then I looked into before I met my husband, I started looking into all those volunteer abroad kind of programs and things like that as well, too. So but none of that kind of eventuated. But still, yeah. Yeah, I had all those thinking in there I had also had like embassy work I was like could something with embassies and then I don't know I didn't get it's not my sort of no my brain doesn't work that way (laughs) not for me yeah totally yeah and then yeah and I was thinking oh podiatry how could I be a podiatrist in different places around the world because but then I was like you know just the whole medical profession as you know with all the rules and regulations and getting registered and all of that kind of stuff sort of seemed like the too hard basket which is why I kind of went into the volunteer stuff you know just the whole like you said the technology stuff you know we had to find telephone boxes to call home and figure out the money to put in the box and, and all of that kind of stuff to actually contact our parents or anybody. So a lot of the times we were totally isolated. So there was none of that technology stuff, which would have made it kind of an interest, you know, different travel experience. Yeah, too, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you find that you travel quite differently now as well? because of the technology yeah absolutely and I think I've still once I'm traveling I go back to that old exchange student day or the you know the the few years after that when there still wasn't that much technology of just not contacting people not wanting to be in contact kind of when I get on a plane it's like I want everything to switch off and I just want to experience it in my reality not through a technology reality and I think I, that's something I actually need to embrace and realise that actually this is kind of cool. Where I travel with my husband as well now too, he travels a little differently to me and he's always, he's really, really good at using his phone to figure out where we can go and how to get there and, and yeah. this, that and the other, which I must admit you don't lose as much time, etc. like that, <sighs> you know where you're going. Yeah, I know. Whereas I was like, you know, travelling around Europe with a friend and we'd be like, ah, oh, all right, we've been in Nice for a week. Where, where will we go next and how will we get there? And then we go, oh, maybe we'll rent a car and drive back to Paris, which is what we did in the end. Yeah. And then it took four weeks to drive from Nice to Paris and just a different approach, whereas these days it's more of 
well, we're going to be away for this period of time and I totally understand that we kind of need to be a little bit more organised. But I'm more of that free spirit and he's more of that organised sort of thing. And it also sounds a bit more, you know, as you get a bit older, you change that style because, you know, just, you know, even like now working a bit more, it's okay, you know, have to be a bit more responsible. But still, I think at heart, even with technology, I mean, for me, even when I like do that sort of trip where I don't know where I'm going, I sit there going, okay, I should plan like a little bit more or check this out before I get, no, it just doesn't happen. I, I just can't do it. I don't want to do it. You know, no. like things go yeah. pear-shaped and it's like, God, I wish I'd looked at it, but at the same time, I'm not going to do it next time. So yeah, no, <laughs> it's part no. of the fun. I figure it yeah. out. I might lose a day or two, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And I think when you travel by yourself, it's a whole different experience as well too, you know, once you've got, because your personality when you travel alone shines, you know, that's what it is. When you're as a couple, you kind of, I think I move a little bit more towards what my husband likes and he moves a little bit towards what I like. And so we Mm -hmm. have this blended travel experience, which we both love, but I think, you know, we would do it so differently if it was just us by ourselves. <laughs> I was thinking, mm, if I talk to you, I'm like, okay, I need to get out of here. I need to get yeah, out of here. like, <laughs> see you later. I'm hanging yeah, up. You stay like, here. Ready, I'm, out. I'm out of here. I'm going out. I'm on my next trip. It's like, okay, see so you got this. I'll finish the podcast here. And, yeah. <laughs> and I'll be out. I'll be off yeah. <laughs> somewhere else. Oh, no, that's great. That's why I love talking to people like yourself and who exactly. get it, you know, who get it. It's an amazing crew. So do you do any podiatry anymore or is that? No, podiatry um, is kind of, haven't practised podiatry now for quite some time. And the main reason for that was um, a big family thing that happened and when my mum passed away and we had the conversation about we just want to spend a lot more time together. And I know that kind of sounds kind of, weird but my husband was working shift work and if I was working a nine to fiver kind of a job then we probably wouldn't get to see each other that much so yeah I and I mean the thing is I wasn't worried about giving it up because I'd already kind of given it up for those nine years like you mentioned before working as a ski instructor so I knew that I could do other things which we'll get into and um, <laughs> yeah so so yeah I loved it I love being a podiatrist and I really loved being that person who could help people get an immediate response to their problems so they would walk in with a painful issue and then they could leave and it was sorted 85 percent of the time obviously there's some chronic stuff that you needed to deal with as well too but majority of the time it was pretty much and that was a great feeling and I had worked with some wonderful wonderful people that have become really good friends who also do a lot of traveling as well too but I always thought when I did podiatry that I would be a podiatrist and until I retired and save up every three years and go on a massive trip for 12 months and save up and do that but life changes you meet people you do different things and it's been a great experience and I would never have you know, giving that up. But yeah, it was time for change. So as you said before that you did the nine years, was that more in Austria? Just looking at my notes again, Mm. predominantly there? No, it started predominantly in Austria. And then um, a friend of ours in Australia, we were teaching skiing in Australia and he said, you guys should come and check out the US. And my husband had been an exchange student as well in the United States the same year I was in Finland, which was quite interesting. So we went over there and had a look at the place where this guy was working and 
we went back to Austria, taught there for that season, and we loved Austria. The people there, again, amazing people. Our German was getting really, really good. And then we decided, okay, let's try it. Let's go somewhere different. And so we ended up, we went to the US the following year. And it was getting to that stage where the EC and EU and stuff was coming together and it was getting a little bit harder to work in Europe as an Australian. And the the visa system in the US was a little bit easier as well too. So that kind of helped make the decision, so to speak. So, so yeah, a couple of years in Austria, working in Australia, working in New Zealand and in the US sort of back to back for those times. And that was fabulous. How did you get into the teaching skiing? <laughs> did you do skiing back in Australia? Um, no. I mean, like where it depends where you'd be, but... <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. for the places Tasmania's you were saying, got, I'm like Tasmania yeah. has some. Tasmania but has not... a ski field. Yep. Yeah, Tasmania has a ski field. So um, my skiing experience when I met my husband, he loved skiing, and he had learned he'd skied since he was like ten or something. And it was quite funny because a girlfriend of mine and I we decided that we were going to go to New Zealand for a ski holiday because I'd skied once or twice in Finland and enjoyed it, but I hadn't skied again since when I got home, and. There was a school ski trip the year I got back and I was wanted to go on it and my parents said, no, we're doing something else. So we went and I think we went back to Queensland to visit family or something. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> completely different weather. <laughs> oh, completely. <laughs> so, yeah. So skiing, I'd done it like once or twice. I was, you know, not very good at it. And then met my husband and he was really keen skier. He loved it. And one of his goals was he wanted to be a ski instructor. And he wanted to teach skiing. And so, and I was like, at that stage, I'd been looking at volunteer stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, well, why don't we do that? So for our honeymoon, we took a four-week ski instructor's course in Austria. That's a pretty cool honeymoon. That's the sort of one that I It was pretty cool, yeah. Today. And we spent that honeymoon <laughs> with about 40 other people on a bus driving around Austria. It was awesome. We had the best time. Again, met some amazing people. Ended up getting our Austrian ski instructor's ticket. And ended up working in Austria for the rest of the season, so we didn't go home. So our four-week honeymoon turned into three months, and then the next definitely a good honeymoon. Then (laughs) like six-month honeymoon, yeah, Yeah, totally different. And the guy who ran the ski school in Austria also ran the ski school in um, Falls Creek in Australia. So we ended up going working with him. So did you swap between the Australia and Austria? The hot, like, six months, six months. Yeah. Yep. Was that – I know there's, like, my cousin, I think she's still doing that. She goes between Canada and Australia, like, six months, mm-hmm. six months. And I think it's – I mean, it's still not super, super common, but it's definitely a lot more common, I would think, than back then. Did you find – Yeah, there's a lot. You would be, I think once you get into that community, you know how – As I was even yeah. asking, I'm like, once you get in, yeah. probably everyone yeah. into it who can't get enough oh, there are people that I we worked with in our first season in Austria who had been coming back and forth to Australia for 20 years wow. you know uh, we have we have people that we met who they were professional ski instructors like your cousin yeah. you know they we made that a choice to become really good at what we did and there were people who in the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere who just did those their own season and then worked in the summer but then there were those people who were really that's what they did and they skied all the time. I know people who've done like 50 winters back to back and, wow. you know, and they just amazing. When I first heard about it, I mean, now I'm thinking about it now, my, my perspective and look on 
lifestyle and everything has changed so much when I first heard about the idea of doing six months, six months. You know, I was like, you know, you can't do that forever because you're not like in a place. But then it's like, well, actually, you're in two different places for six months, six months. You can still probably even better than the whole nomadic style where you're in a sense, not saying better, but it's a different it's a different nomadic style. Yeah, yeah, because you're getting to know that town if you go back to the same mm-hmm. towns every time. And most of us do. Like most of us did go back to the same resort. So you, we would go back to Breckenridge in Colorado and we changed around in Australia a little bit. We're at Falls Creek and then we're at Perisher and then we went to New Zealand. But most people find their space or their place and that becomes their home for that period of time. And that works really well. We had the issue, we had family in Tasmania, so we had a lot of extra travel, which was great and fine, but it ended up being, and we've often thought about this and talked about it, it would have been probably we would have done it for longer if we'd had like a home base at the actual ski area in Australia and then a home base. And we did have a fabulous people. We have a friend in Breckenridge who we swear built a garage on the side of his house so we could leave our stuff there. <laughs> Those are your friends for life. Uh- yeah, totally. <laughs> And we are, we are friends for life. We actually we met this guy in Australia. As he's an amazing ski instructor, snowboard instructor. He had a life, I tell you. He was a dive master in Florida in the summers and then went to teach skiing in the winters in Colorado. So he's now got an amazing wife and family and he's in Breckenridge full time. Yeah, we actually met him in our first year and we shared a room with him and his girlfriend for staff accommodation. And to this day, we're still friends. So it's pretty yeah. awesome that we're yeah, still yeah. talking to each other after being living in such close encounters. That's quite amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. So there are people that still do it today. You know, some people stop and they have families. Some people have families and take them with them. There's no, I think my, like you, it's like, oh my God, how could you do this for that time? Blah, blah, blah. But your mind gets expanded when you see people do things also since i got into the podcast world the ally world and everything and you hear about kids who are on the road like road schooled as they call it their whole time and you know they're loving it they get their own benefits and obviously disadvantages to that of a normal regular schooling and then this would have its own benefits too if, if you did six months six months you know yeah, totally. There's so many, like you could stay with your kids, could be like actually in the schooling six months of the year or you could do homeschool however you want. Yep, absolutely. I guess I'm a good winter person too. I love winter. I'm so sad that I'm somehow chasing the summers for the next year and a bit. I love winter. I don't know how that's happened with the summer. It's just time-wise. It just works out for now. It happens. I'll deal. <laughs> yeah. Did you find you missed having the summer over the those nine years? We were really fortunate. We were in Colorado and once the ski season ended, most of us would take off to go to a place in Utah called Moab, which was a huge mountain biking area. And you would leave Breckenridge, which was at 10,000 feet, which was cold, and you would go down to these lower areas, which were in the middle of spring and warm and be in shorts and T-shirts and sunshine. That's the best of both worlds. Absolutely. Why did you stop? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, why did we stop? Um, Uh, We've got too many other places to see. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) totally. Um, And then we, on the way back between Southern and Northern Hemisphere, we would make a point of stopping somewhere like Mexico for a while or Samoa or Thailand. So we would stop into these tropical kind of areas for a couple of weeks, get our summer sunshine. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and then go back to the winters again. But, you know, places 
Colorado in the, in the winter, when there's not a snowstorm, it's really sunny. You know, it's cold, yeah, but it's sun, blue skies and sunshine. and Not like and, Finland in the winter. Definitely not. No, no it's sun you know, at all. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, so Colorado is about the same latitude as Spain, so it's... Oh, right. But it's just when you've got the actual, like the mountain ranges, which are higher up at the altitude. Yeah, so you did the altitude is what gives you those, and the Rocky Mountains obviously creates its own... But, you know, so the so the daylight hours aren't like, you know, the far north of Scandinavia. Which is beneficial. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> going back on that point, how did you find those harsh winters? Weird. Weird? Very strange. Yeah, very strange, like getting up in the dark. I mean, you came into the middle yeah. of it and then... Yeah, came into the middle of it, left in the middle of it. it. Yeah, that'd be... So it was weird, you know, the sun would come up like at 11, 11.30 and go down at 3. Yeah. I think Stockholm was a bit more like nine or so. Yeah, Stockholm's a bit further south, yeah. But still, it's still not much more, you know. <laughs> it's like it's pitch black at yes, that time. It's not like that's what I think people think, uh, oh, it's slowly going. No, no, like boom, it it's switches. It's like turn off the light yeah. and you're like, what? Yeah, boom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're out of here. It's, 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 it's like, really, what? really, yeah. yeah. I think just because I'd landed in there and then that was the norm kind of thing, it was yeah. like, okay, well, I'm on the other side of the world and this is how it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, what really got me was as the summer approached and I was out with my second host family, they were out in the garden and it was in the middle of the week and then I looked at the time and it was 11 p.m. and we were still outside and I'm like, I'm going to go to school tomorrow. I need my sleep. And, yeah, but that I can still remember that. We were all out doing stuff in their garden and, um, yeah, it was that kind of... It's still got night time where you were? You weren't yeah, that yeah, far north? Yeah. yeah. How many yeah, hours no, would it get there? It's still got night time, kind of, except for mid midsummer, like June. Yeah. Then it kind of, you know, you'd see the sun yeah. sort of dip. Yeah. And then it'd be like Same twilight. Same in Stockholm. Yeah. yeah. And then it'd be it's up so again. Weird. So Yeah, like a, we had like mm. 11 o'clock, it started to go down, and then 3 o'clock, yeah. it was light again. You're like, yeah. what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really yeah. strange, eh? Yeah. yeah. I did one time, though, when I went up, as I said, I went up to the north-north and I, when I took the bus and it was, yeah, in the middle of summer. So I saw the sun was, like, starting to go down and then it just stayed at that same point in the, the sun for the next, <laughs> like, five, six hours and then it went up. And wow. And I was there for, like, a month or so and it didn't... Wow. And it stayed there. Like, it didn't move. <laughs> no, it, moved, it moved, yeah. but, you know, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, never, just crossed. Never, yeah, just, like, super weird. I mean, it was yeah. freezing low at night, like, which is crazy. Oh, wow. So it was like, you could tell when it was night and day, but... Um, yeah, because it was a temperature difference. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, that's So insane. interesting. How beautiful, though, isn't it? And it's just so different from where you grew up. Yeah. to see that kind of stuff and when you yeah. have snow there was snow there apparently just before i got mm-hmm. there it was snowing <laughs> You're like yeah. in the middle of summer but you know it's like okay but yeah, yeah. it's just fascinating yeah, i love world and oh like like you too yeah. atlas atlas girl, yeah. atlas girl. <laughs> <laughs> is that my thing no, now yeah. i'm the atlas girl <laughs> looking at it and just seeing how everything is so different and like both yeah. cultural and geographic <laughs> and everything it's just so incredible yeah. So different from what you grew up with and I think some people really you know it's just I've on that differences and others feel much thriving on their comfortable what they know you know and I just think you just need to find your own space with that and go okay well this was what makes me energized and thriving yeah and it's not the same as my brother or, or someone else exactly and that's okay. exactly mm. 
trying to figure out what exactly works for you and yeah is the best best thing and i think that's part of what i love about the podcast getting everyone on and they have such different stories not everyone is ally or traveling the world just hearing why they're passionate about it because if someone's listening they might be like hey like they might hear that the ski story and be like that sounds awesome i've never heard of that before or i've never heard it mm-hmm. described mm-hmm. that way let's have a go you know um, yeah, that might absolutely. be their thing for 50 years. Who knows, you know? <laughs> well, that's right. And I mean, if, I'd ne- if I hadn't met my husband, there's, I would never have become a ski instructor and got to travel the world in that way. That was pretty amazing. So, yeah, the people you meet and the small things you do that change your life forever as well sometimes. But, yeah. yeah, absolutely, for sure. No, it's definitely cool. Yeah. So now that, as we said, the internet's connected and everything you've started working towards the ally movement as we could call it (laughs) Um, (laughs) and gone in you're starting with uh like va virtual assistant side of things Mm -hmm. that's right yeah are you in that full time or is that still yeah 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 Yeah, pretty much well after the podiatry thing and, and now we're living on the eastern side of the north island of new zealand yeah and where's he from by the way your husband he's from brisbane Brisbane, yeah. Yeah, so funny story. I don't know if we've got time for this, but um, his family were from Tasmania and they moved to Queensland and my family were from Queensland and moved to Tasmania. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, not us as kids and stuff like that, but our, like, ancestors, so quite funny. And as you know, everybody in Tasmania is related except for me because my family's from Queensland. And when he moved down to Tasmania, he walked into the dry cleaners to get something done and they saw his last name and they went, oh, I'll be related to you. And he went, no, 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 I'm from Brisbane. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm not actually from here. And they went, oh, no. And then they rattled off his whole family tree and they were actually related. Wow. So I was like, it, yeah. ah, you're more Tasmanian than I am. Yeah, like <laughs> stories are true. They're not just rumours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, sorry, I digress. No. So I wanted to find something where I could, now this whole internet online stuff, and I had some a friend of mine when I was living in Christchurch who was a business coach, and he said to me, you're so organised and you do all these amazing things, you'd be a really good virtual assistant. And I kind of looked at him and went, what's that? And yep. had no idea. And I was like, ah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, quickly, what, how would you describe virtual assistant for people who haven't heard of it? Okay, so virtual assistant is like medicine. It's like a terminology of a you know, a career or something that you do. So virtual assistants in my mind are people who help people who have businesses, whether those businesses are online or brick and mortar businesses. But we come in as a contractor or someone that helps you do the things that you necessarily don't want to do or don't have time to do. So lots of things like your online social media marketing, for example. So people know about social media and businesses have Facebook pages, LinkedIn pages, they have Twitter accounts, Instagram accounts. So we can as a virtual assistant, one of the jobs that I like to do is to help them set that up and get out there on social media if they don't have time to do that themselves or they don't like to do that themselves. People have websites that need updating. People have blogs that need managing that they love to write, but they don't like to format it and edit it and schedule it. Or they might be the other way around. There's VAs or freelancers that do the copywriting for people and then then put it on. Hmm. Then there's those emails that you get from various businesses when you sign up for their free report or six tips on this or that. So VAs or virtual assistants can create all of those kind of things for these businesses. It just makes their life a little easier and they can focus then on their own business. 
Uh, okay. I feel like I have not fully grasped virtual assistants before this, so I'm glad I okay. am. I, I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and then I was like, no, I didn't, I didn't really. It's like, I mean, in the ally community or whatever, they talk about you know outsourcing, and it's really that's who you go to to outsource when you've got something and yeah. you... Yeah. Okay, if there you, you go. For me, I think of anything, anything that you do in your business, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, with your podcasting, you're doing the interviews and you have to do that. That is your business. That's your bread and butter. You're talking to people. But then there's the editing and the putting it up there on the platform that you want people to see it. I guess I've got a, a VA then. <laughs> Helping, yeah, she helps yeah, me totally. with my um, a friend. She helps me with my summaries of the yep. the notes. Yep. I go here you go. Yep. Sort that out. Yep. I just exactly. me in written form. Yeah. It just does not work. You know, <laughs> like oh, I, I, I'm know. the same for my business. I would much rather do this. Talk, 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 and then sit down and write a blog. You know that to me. But then you can go and take that blog that talk this video whatever Mm -hmm. you can send it off to somebody who'll transcribe it for you they might not call themselves a va or virtual assistant they might call themselves a freelancer or a transcriber or a translator or yeah but all of those things to me it's like an umbrella term yeah Yeah. it's an umbrella term i guess that's because it's an assistant someone assisting you in some way virtual like over yeah. yeah, virtually and you don't have to employ them full-time that you don't have to be in the same country but obviously you know, there is you options. communicate electronically. There are yeah. options that are employment-based, could be part-time, yeah. full-time as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there are people, there are companies that employ you remotely to do their customer service support. So, you know, you, you can answer phone calls or answer emails. There are people that you, you would, um, and that might be like an hourly rate and you work for those people for 10 to 15 hours a week. Or you might have a special skill like in graphic design or translation or whatever wow. and you go up. Well, I will do five hours a month for you translation and you will just pay me this amount of money. You pay them and you know that your five hours of translation is going to get done in that month or whatever. So there's always different ways of doing it. So wow. you know, if someone comes to you and go, I practice medicine, they could be a, a surgeon, they could be a doctor, they could be a nurse, they could be a podiatrist, they could be whatever. And they all have different skills. And I work as in the virtual assistant field, but I don't do copywriting i do editing and formatting so what sort of editing and formatting what's that well, sort the of blog for people for example who have blog posts that again they like the writing but they don't like putting it together and making it look pretty and putting it on the website whereas i really enjoy doing that does that include like seo and that side of yeah, things to a, a degree yeah, yeah yeah to a degree i'm not fabulous at seo i'm getting better but i have a base i have the basic foundations of understanding seo one of the things i'm doing a lot of at the moment is getting people who are a little bit intimidated by that online world they don't really know how to start or how to get into it so we have a a discussion and we figure out which kind of social media platforms do you like using and then i set up their Facebook page or their Instagram page or their LinkedIn, which is my three things that I like to focus on. I mean, there's heaps more different social yeah, media yeah. out there, but they're the three one three that I like to focus and concentrate on. And we'll set that all up so they all link together and integrate and then make it easy for them to actually then getting that content out, the right messaging to the right customers. And you know about, you know, target market so if everybody has someone that they like to speak to so for example one of the people I'm working with now is a image consultant so she's talking to women who would like to look and feel their best all the time and she's amazing she has this incredible process that she goes through 
where she picks the best colors for you to wear and the best makeup and, and all of that kind of stuff. But she was terrified of Facebook. She, and she was like, how, how do I get to people with just, you know, talking to them and giving my card? I feel kind of weird. And so we've worked together over the last week or two to create a Facebook page for her, which is linked to her Instagram account, which she loves Instagram because she can put pretty pictures on it and, and do that. And then the next thing we're going to do is all the people that she's already done the consulting for will get their email addresses and then we'll maybe send out a newsletter to them every month that she will write that I will format and schedule and, and that, that kind of thing. So Facebook and Instagram, you can so link them so easily. Anyway, anyway. That's what yeah, 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 it's a whole another story. But people who don't know, Freddie, don't know. You know what I mean? And it's funny because for me, Instagram's been this new thing that I've just started working out. I'm still trying to figure out how to like get out regularly and things like that, yeah, yeah, social yeah, media. Yeah. But when I first started with that, I, you know, especially I think especially in Australia, I don't know where your clients from, but Australia were... I found we're so Facebook orientated, so Facebook. But then I've gone overseas, and everywhere else is more Instagram. Instagram, yeah, it's crazy. Yep. So I'm it's bit, huge. I'm, it's huge, but in Australia, not really. I don't mm. think any of my friends in Australia, well, not any, but they'll have Instagram, yep. but they never look at it. Mm-hmm. Never. Yeah. Well, New Zealand Instagram is super popular. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know what it is. So Facebook was easy, and then coming into it, I was like, oh, you can link, and then I just had like post on Instagram and then just automatically post to Facebook. Goes on to Facebook. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, and it's great for people who like Instagram. And knowing that I've got both, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, like I can't not do both now, you know. (laughs) And it's really cool. I have a client that I work for here in New Zealand and one of my jobs for her is to schedule her posts. She's really, she's a different kind of client. She's someone who has created all her content herself and already and has really au fait with all that kind of stuff. But she just needs someone to come in each month and schedule what she wants to say for the month onto her Facebook and Instagram feeds. Mm. And that is, for her, it's, a few hours a month that she doesn't have to worry about doing because I can. Well, they might be ended up and, talking and... once I get a bit more money, <laughs> pocket money, yeah. <laughs> for, for something. I can, something yeah, in there. That, absolutely. Oh God, yeah. Something in my social media that just I don't know. I have to figure that out first to know what yeah. it is that isn't yeah, working exactly. for me. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I never thought that I would be a social media, like do any social media as a virtual assistant. I was more interested in the blogging, editing and doing the emails and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. I've actually come to quite enjoy funny where things take you. Yeah, absolutely. What's been kind of the most challenging part about coming into the VR world, do you think? Into the virtual assistant or world? Ally, um, whatever this. I think for me it's I've always worked with people. So like as a podiatrist, you have a client that comes in, you're face to face with them and they leave happy. With a ski instructing, you're working with a group of people. I also am a fitness coach as well. And you're working with a person. And so when you go into the VA world, it's virtual. Uh, and this yeah. is awesome. I love this. Yeah. You get to talk to a person, yeah, even yeah, though we're yeah. completely, you know, opposite yeah. sides of the world. Yeah. But a lot of the time you'll be and I work from home. I have the most amazing office. I look out onto the ocean, onto the Pacific Ocean from my office. It's fantastic. But some days you might not see a person yeah. uh, in the flesh, you know. So that for me. <laughs> I, I hear that. <laughs> yeah, Get locked that, away yeah. in this room and then I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. totally. So well, at least I'm, my locked away room has got the most amazing view. It's incredible. But um, I have to walk yeah, out and it's yeah. an amazing view, but. 
Yeah, exactly. Steps. So it um, can be quite distracting, to be fair, looking out <laughs> and seeing all that. I was like, oh, maybe I should go. No, I better do my work. That's a struggle. And a lot of people would say to me, oh, my gosh, if I didn't have somebody telling me what I needed to do and what was up next, then I would struggle. And that sometimes it's been, if you've been working in a regular job where you go to and you know those steps, and I'm sure you've found that with your business as well too, with the podcasting stuff, when you've got to create the whole framework around it, and you've got to just, you've, you personally have to decide what your priorities are for the day that affect you that isn't related directly to anybody else. I found that mm-hmm. quite challenging when I first started. Now that I've got clients and I know I've got client work, I can do that here and then I fit stuff around it. So once you've got that structure, but when yeah. you started beginning and you're starting your business and going, well, I need to do this, this and this, I know this, but there wasn't any kind of urgency towards it or any kind of structure it didn't matter because nobody else was waiting for that work to be finished you know etc so that was that was a challenge as well so the people and then for me I'm an organized structured type of person do you think that's also we're talking about before we started I think we first before we started the podcast (laughs) we're talking about (laughs) habits and the creation of habits do you think the that's kind of a bit of it it's just been something you've been working towards Absolutely. I'm a habit girl. Yeah, you said there was someone, James Clear, you were talking about. Was that his? Yeah, so James Clear was the person I came across when I was talking about habits. He's really interesting and he talks about habit stacking. Sorry, I think there's a little bit of a thing going on between Chile oh. and New Zealand. Uh, <laughs> it's like a little bit come of a delay on here. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. It's all good. We'll get that. It's probably mine as well. You do get that. But yeah, James Clear was a person I came across when I was. My husband and I started a, a medical conference business about three years ago as well too. So just that was another thing oh, that yeah, 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 was online and we thought, oh, that'll help us with our travels and da-da-da-da-da, another podcast. <laughs> so but just getting the mindset of, of that and fit, fitting that kind of in, we came across James Clear and about habit stacking and organising ourselves as well too. And he talked about, you know, just knowing when you get out of bed in the morning and you make your bed, you associate yourself with being a, an organised kind of person and if you get up and make a cup of coffee and so I'm not organized them. <laughs> 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 you might have something different that makes you organized I don't know or you may not be organized that may not be what your identity is but you know and then the coffee I have my coffee and then I do my meditation so it's kind of like that habit stacking you know I put my gym gear on in the morning and then that means I'm going to go and do a workout you know, so it's kind of that kind of thing. And with me, one of the things that was really good and I learned from um, lots of different people is just having my schedule as a virtual assistant, my week has some structure and that really worked for me. So like on Monday, I do this, this and this. And on Tuesday, I do this, this and this. The beauty of it is, of course, is that being your own boss and being digital nomad, location independent, whatever you want to call it, is that you can change those around to suit yourself. So, you know, if something happens, you get an invite to lunch or whatever, you can go, oh, okay, well, I'll just move that there into that slot. Yeah, for and sure. And that's really been helpful. And that kind of is my habit. I come in, look at my schedule. I do it on a, at the beginning of the week, sometimes Sunday evening if I'm super organised, most often Monday morning, and just go, okay, what am I going to do for the next week? What are my three main priorities for each of my things that I'm doing? And schedule those in and... And go with that so that's really helpful i guess if someone's listening and they're saying oh yeah this kind of virtual assistant obviously it's a, as we said it's a vast everything that could be yeah if they're listening going i want to get into or learn more or get into that how would you recommend 
there are so many different ways that you could get into it. The thing that got me into virtual assistants was Location Indie Crowd and Location Indie, of which we're both members of, is, a, is an amazing online supportive community from people all around the world who are doing all kinds of different things, not just virtual assistant. But I was listening to their podcast, not wasn't a podcast, sorry, it was a, a live webinar where they were talking about productivity tips and organizing yourself and and I was like oh this is what I need I need you know I like to sort of figure out different ways of being more productive and while I was on that webinar one of their virtual assistant was on there a lady by the name of Casey and she's amazing was that Casey 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 Bowen yeah Casey Casey and you know you go on these webinars and people talk shout out to Casey she's amazing she's incredible hey and you go into these webinars and you kind of think you know people in the chat box whatever and you, you kind of almost don't think it's real because that's not your reality yet you know we understand now that those people there are, are actually real people and they're saying the truth because we've been on enough of those calls now to know that but I was still in that mindset of oh yeah, they're just people wanting to get my money and da, da 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 da. But these are great tips. Anyway, Casey was amazing. I was like, oh, that virtual assistant stuff sounds really cool. And I wrote that in the chat box. And she wrote back and said, if you're interested, when you join up, contact me and we'll have a chat. And I was like, okay. Anyway, I thought, oh, well, I'll sign up. It's only whatever time frame it was, and I'll just see if it works for me. And I thought, oh, I've got to contact here and see what happens. Well, she got back to me within three days. We'd set up a Zoom call like we're doing now in podcast kind of stuff and we chatted and she gave me so much valuable information and gave me some tips on where to go to look for the, to get my skill set up to make sure I knew what I was doing. And yeah, and then the location independent community, location indie community have been a wealth of information, like sharing. I have my mastermind group from all of the people. For those people who don't know mastermind group, we meet every two weeks and we talk about what we're doing and we kind of support each other. And we had our 12-month anniversary last week. Oh, wow. Which is really cool. Uh, And we're in five time zones. How's that been? That's been really fun. Yeah. (laughs) Challenging in the winter to get our time zones. That's the thing you don't think about. It's like, okay, you get it set and then the times change. Being northern yeah, exactly. and southern hemisphere. Oh, God, and like, you know, and then everybody's daylight savings changes at the same time. <laughs> anyway, I digress. But, yeah, if you're interested in doing virtual assistant work, I mean, I'd be more than happy to chat to people, you know, if you want to get my details at the podcast because Casey did that for me and it was just super, super helpful just to have someone you could talk to and say, hey, well, what's going on with this? And Amazing. Yeah, and that's, that's how I got in and I think you need to find – a supportive community there'll be people who around you who may not have a clue what you're doing or understanding with exactly, them. Yeah. and actually and even that guy that I mentioned who said I'd be a good VA he's he's been really supportive he's actually someone you might like on your podcast too Freddie him and his family have been traveling for three years in Southeast Asia just doing digital nomad kind of work location independent work so well, we'll organize yeah. getting the contacts there for sure yeah. uh, <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, if you want to do that, it's just, I think for most people, just you can do it. I guess it's also finding which part is right for you as well. Like, like you were saying, when people outsource for two VAs, you know, you don't want to be doing the stuff that you yourself would be outsourcing just because it might be the thing that gets looked for the most. You know, if you're not good at writing the blogs, don't, <laughs> or editing the don't blogs. Don't be a copywriter. Yeah, don't, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And I think this is the thing about the virtual world. When you first come in, you think it's all about coding and editing is the only online work you can do, but it's so vast. And with a few things that you said, there's, you can do 
almost anything. Um, and if it's the world for you, it's something. Yeah, so. and it's just the tip of the iceberg. And I think I read somewhere that by 2030, it's going to be like over 50% of the population, working population in the US is going to be working virtually or as a freelancer. Just quickly, as we digress, but quickly, they say that, you know, you're one more efficient when you do that. You're doing it one in your own time. Um, mm-hmm. you, work, you end up working less but more efficiently and yet you get to live your life that you're doing so you're more passionate about your work. Like it's just all, it makes so much more win, sense, win, win, eh? you know. Yeah. Um, if it's work that you can do virtually, you should be. Yeah. But, again, there's people who won't be motivated and they just will think that they can sit home and not do it. But then I guess those are the people that need to be, they need to go back in the office, you know, (laughs) unfortunately. And then then that's the thing is that everybody's different. There are people who need that structure of going in. And you can, you know, a lot of virtual assistant or freelancer people, they choose to work from a co-working office space. Yeah. So that they actually pick up and go into a space and then, then do it from there. So that helps them with that kind of thing if they still want that freedom there's still so many strategies of doing it it's not like yeah you know, yeah totally and as we said it's about habit building you know and you said like figuring it all out oh just working eight hours boom on your own how do you do it you know you didn't start that in a day either and you know what that's so funny you say that because right at the beginning of my journey I did set my work day up as I used to have it as I had a job and now I've realized that, hey, I actually work really well between the hours of 7 and 11 a.m. And so that's when I do most of my work. Then I absolutely crash and burn between 2 and 4 o'clock. So that's when I allow myself to go for a walk on the beach or maybe sit and do nothing, you know. And then I have another little blip at 7.30 till 9 where I'm like, yeah, actually, I, I, I'm good here at this time as well too. So it's just finding where your good productive time frames are and then if you're a you know it's easy for me I don't have um, a family at home so you know if you've got kids then you have a little bit more of you've got to get it done between nine and three because the kids are at school sort of yeah, sort of thing yeah. but um you know that also helps like you said you become much more productive because you know like I'm here oh, I'm doing, yep. doing yeah. what I need to do so, yeah exactly yeah. awesome well thank you I think we'll wrap up here. We've had a nice, like, really good long podcast. Love it. <laughs> if people do want to get into contact with you, whether it's for work, seeking a virtual assistant in things we were talking about, or, as you said, reach out and chat about it, where can they get in contact with you? They can get in contact with me Facebook. Facebook is the easiest thing at the moment. I don't have a website at this stage. So Sue Dickens, virtual assistant. Search for that on Facebook and you'll find me there. And then please, yeah, send me a message and we can chat. And, yeah, that will be awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you again for coming on. I'm sure we'll get you back to talk in depth about some of these or some other topics again. Thank you. Thanks, Freddie. Thank you. That would be great. Lovely. Cheers. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Don't forget to subscribe. Also, like me on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Curious Emu. Until next time, remember, stay curious.